Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, which is available now as a paperback, as an ebook, which is free. Yes, free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. You can also get an audiobook, which is not free, but you're listening to this, so I know you like listening to things. Check that out. Uh, under the super secret pen name Robert Kent, I've written some novels for older readers, such as All Together Now, A Zombie Story, and many others. For more information about all of that, and more important, for thousands of interviews with literary agents, editors, authors, all the world's best people, head to middlegradeninja.com. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited. Uh, today, I have the uh, extreme good fortune to be talking with uh, Sophie LaPuente and Jared Schusterman, authors of the new book, Retro, which is available this week, esteemed audience. Uh, we are talking on November 8th of 2022, just to let you know, so if we're not commenting on something that happened recently, now you know why. We're talking election night. Instead of watching results, we're going to have a fantastic conversation about writing and about uh, books and all, all wonderful things. Uh, so esteemed audience knows that I never torture my guests by making them sit through me summarizing uh, my guests' biographies or books. How painful when you're both there and could do a better job of it than I can. Uh, so, so Sophie, I'm going to start with you because your name's first on the book. Okay. Uh, if you would give esteemed audience an overview of your background and we'll go from there. Okay, so hi, I'm Sofia Lapuente. I'm the author of Retro. Um, if you can tell from my accent, I'm from Spain. And that's why the main protagonist of the book is, is Hispanic. And I came to the United States seven years ago to study in UCLA. And I have a major in fine arts. And now we teach in UCLA, actually. And we write the screenplays, too. And uh, I'm Jared Justerman. Um, been writing for, I guess, over 10 years now. And uh, started off writing screenplays. Wrote a short story in Unbound, in the Unwind Collection, a book called Dry called Roxy and we actually both wrote yeah. Gleanings we wrote a short story in Gleanings which comes out today it actually came out today yeah, today <laughs> which you have yeah the fourth book of say <laughs> and uh it's called The Persistence of Memory and actually takes place in Barcelona mm. and uh and then we have our novel together which is as we've held up before but we have one too Retro <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're just super excited to be here and talk with you today and uh yeah that's that's who we are yeah and if you want to know more about us we have social media we are always on Instagram and TikTok um, doing fun content. Yeah, we're always doing fun, fun, silly content. Um, it's Sophie and Jared. So mm -hmm. at S-O-F-I-A-N-D-J-A-R-R-O-D. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys want to check us out on Instagram or TikTok, we're, we're always up to something. Gotcha. I've got all kinds of questions about how you find time to write books and do social media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we have no idea. Um, it's insane because it's like, now it's like it's like three jobs in one, right? I mean, just marketing the book, yeah, as you know, it's just marketing the book is just is a whole job. It's a whole 40 hour a week job. Yeah. No? Let's say it's 5 p.m. right now, and we didn't start to write yet. We've been the whole day just doing social media today, videos talking with you, and now we are going to start to write when we finish the podcast. Yeah. So in the next book. Oh yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's almost like just make the writing happen. You have to force that because everything else they're going to make you do everything else. The publishers are going to make you do or an email or comes. an email comes, or we have to be here to, for a talk. So you're going to make sure you're doing that. Mm -hmm. So we just have to really force the writing and it, it's tough sometimes, but 
it feels really good and it's really rewarding when yeah. everything comes together especially with retro everything's going along so well and we just can't wait for it to come out well i know this is gonna i mean every day is a little bit different which is what makes writing a such an exciting thing but uh, on a typical day if there is anything even closely resembling that what does that look like what time do you guys get up what do you do first we are like like i'm the day i'm the day man she's the night girl. girl. <laughs> we if we wanted we could have like just like a, a schedule that barely intersects i mean she you can go to bed no. at 3 a.m yeah but no sometimes. it's like you wake up in the morning yeah you I don't know, you have a coffee. Yeah, and I, I need my thing. I need my like, I need my coffee. I need my my desk. I have everything kind of organized perfectly. And I sit there and I have the song that plays over and over again. I'm like, ah, and I write and I get as much done as possible. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like really order. And you're more like yeah. chaos. Right? I wake up around 11 a.m. if I can. And then I look at what was, what is, what, what happened this morning? What did you write? What we, what, how is the things going, you know? So with that, I can avoid the first emails. You know, normally he's the one that read them. <laughs> I'm sleeping. And then we get together, we start to write together. And then probably by 8 p.m., let's say you're done. Yeah. And then I start to, I continue with that maybe until 2 a.m., 3 a.m., no problem. I'm writing, checking emails, social media, and then I go to sleep. Yeah. And being that you're on Spanish time too, because so many of your friends yeah. and family are technically in, in the future. Spain. So yeah. staying up later makes yeah. sense for you. It allows me to reply to, to them, talk with them. But yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a function that's actually worked really well for us. Cause we have our time apart. I have my time to be able to really work on the things I want to work on. You can work on what you want to work on yeah. and then we'll intersect and talk about what we need to work on, which is, which is vital. Gotcha. So I, I always had this picture in my head, but I see collaborating authors that maybe you're sitting together, sharing the same keyboard. I'm like, oh my God, what a nightmare. But no, you're you're in separate quadrants, uh, working separately and then coming together to, to figure mm -hmm. out what you worked on. Yeah, a lot of it's yeah. separate. Like I just, I don't like to work. I can't just sit and just write with somebody at the same moment. It's like too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, we do that a lot, five hours per day. I mean, we'll do that kind of thing when we're developing a lot of ideas and when we're well, edits outlining. have to be together edits have to be together but yeah. like the creation process we're both kind of creating separately and then we bring it back to the whole now and then when we are together yeah but when we bring it back i would say like yeah around five hours per day is together yeah. and then another four or five separate yeah it's more or less but like that we're kind of working like 15 hours a day if, yeah. you, if you think about it the sophie <laughs> jared thing that is sophie and jared yeah. That sounds like uh like a healthy collaboration a little little time apart to make the heart go fonder right there yeah. you go um, I think a lot of couples that have uh, come through, oh God, please come through or are still going through the pandemic, uh, at least uh, so, some variation of trying to figure out a new rhythm <laughs> we're to share the same space for a long period of time. But you got to have your spot in the house. I got to have mine. We got to we got to have a little bit of separate space. <laughs> well, it's funny for us when the pandemic hit, like nothing really changed because yeah. we we're so used to spending so much time together, always working together. All these other couples we knew had to like yeah. figure it out. And we're like, oh, you mean just like the same thing <laughs> that yeah. we always do? So yeah. nothing really changed so much. Yeah, I do find that pretty consistent as I talk with authors as opposed to people that have more regular jobs is, well, my life changed some, but be alone and uh, work alone. I'm fine with that. Like, of course, that's, <laughs> that's the job. I mean, for being writers, we spend a lot of time together. Maybe in that moment, we are not both writing. But maybe he's writing and I'm with the social media, right? But... At the end, we live together. So, so you spend that. You don't feel that 
maybe loneliness that some yeah. authors can feel like every time I have a question Jared do you think this is good he's there right like I don't have to wait three days with myself am I going to do this no do I want this thing that I wrote no we can always be checking each other yeah that's a really good point like when you're writing your by yourself you're so in like your own echo chamber right and and you can overthink things and you can run your brain out and and you can just be alone. And I just, I'm not someone who likes to be alone. I'm really more of an extrovert. I like to just be around people. So writing for me was, was always something that was, it was kind of grueling and I didn't like that I had to be alone. So I started off writing with my dad and now I'm writing with Sophie and it's like, it's just so nice to be near somebody because I can bounce ideas off yeah. you or we can take a break. We take a walk, <laughs> you know, we can be normal people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I've got lots of questions. Let's let's start at the beginning and, and work our way forward. So seven years ago, you guys are both at UCLA studying television, I, film, screenwriting, or you are, and, and Jared, you just happen to be nearby at the right place at the right time. Yeah. So yeah, so we we met and it was like right when okay, I'm gonna get you know a little cheesy, but right when we met, I was like, I have to I have to know more about this girl, I have to know her. We just we just started being together and we couldn't stop being together. And it wasn't long after, maybe a few more months after, you know, I always knew she was, you know, working in film. Yeah. And uh and we were both storytellers. And but it wasn't a while after till it clicked, like, wait, why don't we work together? It just kind of came as a as a natural thing out of mm -hmm. just our relationship and our shared interest. Um, and yeah, and we just we just kept writing together. And from yeah. there it was just writing screenplays, screenplays here, screenplays there, and then we decided to do retro, and then now we're just you know, going forward with as many books as we can. And this is really, really our path for us. And we're, we're so excited and we can't wait. We also love screenwriting. We love to write a book and then have that book become a television show or, or a movie. Yeah. And right now we're adapting dry for the screen. And, you know, hopefully that all goes well. They're all, you know, five to 10 year processes, but, um, but yeah, that's what we're really excited about retro too. So can't wait. It was, it was romance first and then eventually you say mm -hmm. hey let's collaborate how, how, how long and then to the relationship do you take this huge leap of faith that maybe we can collaborate and not destroy what we have romantically i would say romance then four months after yeah we started to write together first a screenplays mm -hmm. and then i will say the book came maybe a year after yeah book came a year after after we met so it was like a transition because I was also transitioning from finishing up a title with my dad. So it was kind of we transitioned to then working together and then, but then now it's, it's full time. I mean, we got, we have so many projects in the, <laughs> in the back burner. Well, that's smart. Then four months in, you're still figuring each other out more or less how, how, how we're going to do this long-term. Are we going to do this long-term? Whereas if you've been together 20 years and then you say, Hey, let's throw this into the mix as well. That's I imagine going to be a little bit of a harder transition. Yeah. Well, I mean, for us, we had to make decisions really early when we met. I mean, like yeah. right when we met, it was a situation of, you know, are we are you going to be in Spain? Am I going to be yeah. in the United States? Am I going to be in Spain? And we had to make those decisions really quickly. So it was mm -hmm. actually really, really like a kind of beautiful thing for us because we got to make really smart decisions about our lives really early on and stick to them. So yeah. almost like writing together was, was like, obviously, or living together was like, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just all of the normal things that I guess other people go, wait, should I, am it I going to do this? The moment when he asked me to No, it's like, no, it's obvious. Yeah. Of course we'll do it. It's yeah. It flows, you know, it's the right thing to do. Everything feels right. We're pretty romantic in general. Yeah, I think we are. I think that's almost uh, more nerve wracking than a marriage proposal is, will you write with me? Do you get that uh, one? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that's commitment. There's a lot of commitment involved there. <laughs>
But of course, uh, Jared, we should mention your your father, of course, is uh, Neil Schusterman, author of Gleanings, and the guest on episode 190, esteemed audience, check the back catalog, well worth your time, excellent conversation. So you grow up, um, I mean, did you ever know a time when your dad wasn't a big time famous author? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember when, when, I, when I was a kid, he was, you know, he was starting out more, um, but he was always, you know, there's always a signing, there's always kind of recognition. It was, it's true, it was in a time when YA wasn't really YA, right? It was, it was kind of when the genre itself and that, that age range was becoming a definitive thing. Um, but no, he would write for, uh, he would write almost for us kids as we grew up. He would write, you know, at the age that we were, and then he would start with children's books, and then move to middle grade, and then move to YA, and then he would write, he was writing YA, and there was times where you know, I have kind of darker propensities. I was like, dad, you need to go darker. You need to start killing people. You need to just take it to the next level. He's like, I know, but it's for young adults. I'm like, I don't care. I'm 16 and this is what I want. And, uh, and, and, you know, he was already going that way anyway, but I, I definitely, definitely helped vote in that direction. And, um, and I think ever since then, he's, he's been able to come up with so many amazing stories and ideas and different worlds. I mean, from unwind to scythe, I always like it when he goes darker. Um, and I think everyone else does too. So anyone who's been permanently emotionally scarred uh, by any of those books can hold you personally responsible for for cheering him on. <laughs> you can hold me responsible One for third. for for what happens to Roland and Unwind. You can definitely hold me responsible for that. I like I poked my dad. I was like, "You have to write this scene." <laughs> I'll hold you responsible for that, but also the tremendous success that that has followed. So it was obviously it was the right move. Um, when. Uh, when do you, when does it occur to you? Because I imagine that's got to, when you're growing up with your father as a novelist, I imagine that's got to put some pressure on you that, do I want to follow in my father's footsteps? Do I also want to chase this thing? Or do I want to, I don't know, go be an accountant or something the exact opposite to rebel a little bit? When, when yeah. do you peace with, I'm also going to be in the family business or have you? Well, that's, that's a really good question. It's a little bit of both. You know, I started off when I was five and I wanted to own a chocolate factory and then I wanted to wash cars. And then, and then I started to figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, as I matured. And I was like, I'm going to be a director. I'm not going to do anything that has to do with my dad. He writes books. I don't write books. You know, I wasn't even like a super voracious reader back in the day. I was kind of just really bouncing off the walls outside playing sports and things. And I really like cameras. So I really like want, want to be a director. And then at some point I realized that all the movies I made really sucked. And like I needed <laughs> somebody to help me make those stories better. So then my dad also wrote screenplays in Hollywood. Um, so, you know, I asked him for some advice and then, so I always felt like I had my own identity. It was going my own track. Cause I always knew what I wanted to do was more in that direction. Um, and, and then when books came into the play, it just came really naturally. So I kind of slipped into it and it didn't feel like I was filling shoes, um, or, you know, in anyone's shadow. Cause also what, what I do and what we do is just, is so different. You know, what, where we want to go, yeah. we write different, a different genre, you know, we're more in, in thrillers. We, play a lot in romance. Um, so just having, you know, my own identity is, has always made me feel comfortable in my own skin as a writer. And, um, and you also have a family of creators as well. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't feel any pressure ever. I was just like, you know, I felt like a free spirit coming to United States. I feel like my family lose what I was doing. They were like, she's just there in LA writing and telling her <laughs> stories and she's okay. So that's it. And actually, I just can't wait for Retro to be in Spanish so my family can read it because they yeah. see me doing all this stuff, but they can't read it. And so I can't wait. When uh, Sophia would... Uh... What's your first memory of wanting to be an author? Or when did you decide this was going to be your path? 
Um, first was like I was the clown of the class, I would say. So it was always like telling stories and making people laugh or, you know, something will happen the weekend and then I would come on Monday, hey, this thing happened and this and this and this. And I was like, okay, I'm good telling stories. But I always thought, I always was focused on screenplays. So at the beginning, I was like, okay, let's do screenplays, entertainment. I went to UCLA, I studied that. And then when I was with Jared, it came the idea of the book. Like, oh, the book is an intellectual property. That's something that we can have forever. There is ours, you know, no executive in Hollywood can change it. <laughs> yeah, it can. That would be our baby. Yeah, it can turn into that yeah. movie or that book or, yeah. or whatever. So it we is. thought it was a, you know, a great way to, to kind of have a baby together. Like, okay, he doesn't cry. It's, it's, it's not noisy, but but we would have we put our love there, you know. Yeah. So it was like, okay, let's let's have the book. It's like a baby that makes you money. It's that's, yeah. that's good. So I think I will start to be conscious about telling stories at eight years old, and that's twenty years ago. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, and for us, the plan too is we still want to direct. You know, someday yeah. um, in the future, we'd love to write a book and be like, we're also directing the TV show for it. That's <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the master plan <laughs> down the road. So both of you have a, a shared love of, of film, uh, com- film and television coming in. So an impossible question. I'm going to go ahead and ask anyway, what's your, what are your favorite films? Uh, Sophia, you first. Okay, this is really funny because when I met Jared, I would say in our first day, I told him what was my favorite movie. Turns to be his favorite movie. It is not like an average not, no. favorite movie for everybody. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, my favorite movie is Black Swan. Um, Natalie Portman, Dan 2010. Yeah. yeah. Love that's such a good one. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, my second favorite, it always just comes back to Big Fish. Okay. I love Big Fish, Tim Burton. Yeah. And I know this is just happening because it's recent, but I just love Top Gun Maverick. I don't know. It was just, it was just a great <laughs> movie, movie, you know? So, like, it goes in my top 10. I'll give, yeah. it, I'll give it number nine. Yeah. I would say my second one is Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Great films. I was also shocked by how much I like Top Gun Maverick because I went in with my arm. Yeah. I mean, propaganda because that's how they're going to get the planes. I'm going to hear how great the military is. Like, but oh my God, when he says, talk to me, Dad, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit weepy oh. uh, in the cockpit. Like, that shouldn't happen in the middle of this. Uh, Tom Cruise plays volleyball shirtless at 94 movie, but it did. It was it, surprisingly it worked so well. I, I cry. I cried like three times. And I told Sophie, I was like, I know maybe you're not going to like it. She's like, I'm not seeing that. And it took her friends, her like girlfriends, to be like, Sophie, you have to come see this. I cried. I and then afterwards, what happened? I went and I cried. See, she cried. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, you're American, but I'm not American and I'm crying. You know, I see this American flag big, everything. I'm like, oh my God, this country. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really, I mean, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It was just, it was just, it was good. Mm. It was good. And Black Swan's a great one also. I listened to the Perfection, which is that remix of the Black Swan um ballet by uh, Clint Mansell, I believe is the man's name. And it's just the most incredible piece of music. Oh, wow. Anybody who's looking for music to write to, and we're going to talk more about that as we get into retro. Yeah. Uh, looking for a great uh, score to write to. That Black Swan score is just tremendous. Thank you. I'm I'm doing that. I'm going to be writing that down. 
And when Black Swan was genuinely your favorite movie, that wasn't like a quick, quick thinking on a first date that now you it, was, of- it wasn't a first, it wasn't a first date. You know, he's been keeping the life for five years now. I've been asking her, no, because you know, I have the script. I actually have the script. That's so true. I have proof. I have the script. Yeah. So <laughs> that I got like from the writer's guild like 10 years ago. So <laughs> that is the proof. I wasn't just lying to you to continue the date. <laughs> Another great soundtrack, of course, is um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Also, Clint Mansell with the Aronofsky film. Oh, insane. Yeah. Like Black Swan, my God, you'll love Requiem. Well, you'll you'll enjoy the music for Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I would feel like after Requiem for a Dream, you need like three hours of like friends to like get it out of your system. You You know, like, ah. You need you need three hours of retro. Yeah. (laughs) That's what retro is about, right? I mean, retro is like, you know, we wrote it in a time that was like, you know, things were tough, right? I mean, mm. the world is crazy. And um, and we wrote Retro, like we, all the shows that we found ourselves wanting as life got more intense or difficult or books, we found ourselves wanting to read were things that were fun, that made you feel yeah. good, that made you hook to the pages, that made you enjoy life, want to sing, want to dance. So we mm. just wrote a book that we were like, you know what, we want this to be this like fun, thrilling escape for everyone. And a lot of people don't really combine thrillers and you know page turning mystery thrillers in a really fun way so we're like let's just do it with all the bells and whistles and neon lights um so that's that's where retro was born <laughs> well, that's a great way for us to get into your process is to, to break down retro from start to present um so before we do that i promise never to summarize your books you decide amongst you who wants to give us a, a, a who wants to tell the esteemed audience what they need to know about retro which they can be purchasing now while they listen <laughs> yes, you can all pre-order it now. Um, it's it will so, be gone. Maybe it will be out. You don't know. Maybe it'll be out. Maybe it'll just be ordering, ordering. We'll see. <laughs> well, it depends when this airs. <laughs> but um, yeah, so retro is pretty much, imagine if um, in a small town, uh, a really bad cyberbullying incident happens at a high school and it happens on the social media platform called Limbo. And what happens if Limbo then decides to come to the school to make you know the wrongs right? and offers the challenge of a lifetime, offers the students something called the retro challenge. And what is this? One year, one school year, without your phone, without your laptop, but you just go retro mode. You dress in whatever cool clothes from the past, you're in, you know, listening to old music, you're driving old cars, you're hanging out at the mall, the mall's becoming cool again. And what happens if you make it at the end of the year? Well, you get the scholarship of your dreams. So our main protagonist, Luna, sets out to take this challenge along with her friends and meets new fun friends along the way. But then something crazy starts to happen. Contestants start to go missing and there start to be all these oddities and threats that are happening within this town and within this challenge. And she realizes if she doesn't figure out who's sabotaging the challenge, then maybe she's the next person to disappear. Mm. So that is what retro is about. And, um, and yeah, it's a fun thriller. And mm-hmm. every single chapter title is actually the, uh, the name of a song. So we actually have, and I don't know if you know this, but we actually have in the actual book, there's a QR code inside the index. So you can just scan that and then listen on Spotify or, you know, wherever um, the whole playlist while you're reading the book. Mm-hmm. So like the ideal reader for you and your, in your mind that you're imagining is uh, queuing up every one of these songs when they start a new chapter, more or less, is, is that kind of the yeah, theme? Yeah, if you want, you yeah. can listen, or or if you want to, you can in a just... while, you're reading, and then you're in the car going to high school, and you just play the playlist. Yeah. That's another option. But it's the vibe that we want to transmit. This is the music that we think our characters will be pl- playing and listening. And so it's to vibe with them. 
and, and each song really corresponds with the chapter and the chapter title. So, you know, in and of itself, it's a chapter title. Um, so it's a like spo no spoiler, but when you see the title, kind of you can tell where it's going, the book. Like, oh, it's going to be more thrilling or more fun, more romantic. What, what's going to happen here? Yeah, I can tease the chapter, mm -hmm, right? That's, that's It was so fun to do. And mm -hmm. there's there's like, I think, 56, 57 songs. Mm -hmm. And um, and every a lot of them came from the heart. I mean, you know, a lot of them are are, are Spanish songs um, or Hispanic oh, songs. Mm -hmm. um, some of them and a lot of Enrique Iglesias, we have La Macarena. <laughs> but they're mainly all songs that everybody is going to have heard and enjoy. We made sure that it's gonna it's gonna appeal to everyone. Mm -hmm. So you guys have I'm assuming listened to each of these songs multiple times, both on the drafting and then on the revising. Yeah. And then again, for fun afterward, right? Reflecting on what a great time you had uh, writing yeah. rhetoric. Yeah. <laughs> like the last song is Heaven is a Place on Earth by I think Belinda Carlisle and mm. I don't know how many times I have to hear that song but I don't ever get tired no. of it so I'm actually not sick of any of the songs and I think maybe that was the litmus test right like if you don't get sick of the song it's a retro classic <laughs> so wow um I I uh I referenced that song uh, in, in my book the book of David and listened to it a bunch of oh, times Awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a popular song, especially for folks of a certain age. Ah, we all have our fond memories of where we were when we first heard the song. And now we've all seen San Junipero, which has the maybe the exactly. most. Exactly. That's what, that's what kind of inspired us a little. Because like, that is the ending. Because we love, love, love that episode. I love that episode. It's one of my favorite. That goes in my number three favorite movies. And it's not even a movie. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the afterlife I want for myself or whatever version <laughs> yeah. I would be. <laughs> looks looks yeah. all right um so um you do you we're, we're well let's uh break down the process of, of breaking retro you said you're writing this during the stressful time when do you start retro i think we start uh, 2019 just before the pandemic we start with the we had the idea the characters the plot and we start to write, I would say, the first 60 or 80 pages. Yeah. The first the first 80 pages that got changed 20 times. But the first ones were in 2019. Yeah. yeah. End of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a long process ever since. Mm -hmm. And a lot of new drafts and a lot of um, different people reading it, editors reading it, agents mm -hmm. reading it. So it was like got to a point where so many people have read it and so many people have seen over it we feel like it's just such a polished like <laughs> copy editors have seen it's such like a, a polished material for us um yeah. we're, we're just so happy happy mm -hmm. with how it turned out and we hope that all the readers um love it too you said uh, stressful time you guys mentioned the pandemic hadn't started but our esteemed audience will remember 2019 was in no way stressful it wasn't until 2020 that <laughs> the world yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a long six years uh, anyway um so you guys are actively courting i assume you're you're brainstorming you know you're going to work together you're going to write something is this the first book that you start or had you done another one prior to this this is the first book together yeah and then in between this book we did gleanings when okay. we were writing retro we have a break kind of and we did the story in gleanings then we continue with retro and now we are developing two other books. Yeah, we have two other novels, one of which we're like, we're ready to do a final pass on. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually an adult, an adult title. Mm -hmm. um, and that one we're going to maybe go out with in the next six months. We'll see where that lands. And then 
Um, we've also been working on our next YA title, mm-hmm. um, and we don't have a pub date yet for it. But we can't talk about it. Can't, it's a secret project. <laughs> we can't even talk about it. But super excited about it, and and have been because it's been a little, you know, a bit of a long process for Retro mm-hmm. to be published. It's true that three years isn't that crazy of a process now. No, but in retrospect, if but, we are doing Retro, we already developed the idea of the next YA book that now we are writing. Right? You just don't stop to think. We have other ideas, screenplays, like the machine keeps working. All the we time. have the next three ideas already. Yeah. We already know what we're writing up until 2026. Well, you guys can't talk about it, but I can go ahead and confirm that it is a retro Skyth crossover. So look forward to (laughs) songs with chapter titles. (laughs) Um, So you're actively courting an idea. How many ideas are you? Do you have keep a schedule? Like we got to come up with this many pitches uh, for our our team project per day, or just you seize on this and you both say, yes, that's the one right away. How do you, how do you get to that? We have two different teams. We as a team and our agents and us as a team. So for us first, we we talk many ideas. Yeah, why not? And then sometimes the idea come and when the idea come, it's like, no, this is the one. Like last week, week one just popped and it was yeah. like, that's it. And we that's let's just it. go, that's it. That's, that's an idea. It. We, we got to write about that. And then we go to our agents. We normally offer them three ideas, but we want to do one of them. We have really clear which one we want to do. So then we just hope that it's the same one. And if it's the same one, we have really clear it's the correct one. Because if our agents want it and we want it, it means that probably is the correct one. And that's what happened with the next Y book that we are writing, that we all thought the same thing. Yeah, so we, we, we sent like, it to like, you know, friends in the industry, friends, yeah. um, family, you know, just all different opinions. Teachers. People in Spain, you yeah. know, so to get like an international, we always want to make sure we have an international yeah. um perspective even like apart from Sophie yeah. um just to know sort to know that our books are going to be well received in different places and we're not just writing within our kind of you know our own myopic perspective yeah. you know something for the whole world um but yeah and that's, that's everyone thought the same one everyone thought the same everyone. way everyone so that's how we know we kind of like we know that we know and then our agents agree and then like our parents agree and then, yeah. <laughs> and then it goes up the level yeah I suppose that would be kind of a danger is, hey, me and the person that I share my everything with who I see every day and hey, have all the same uh, activities with agrees that this is a fine thing. So it's probably fine. No, it's, it's probably a good idea to get some other opinions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's true that when we both agree on something, you know, I we feel like we're able to. to we're really, we're really, we're really, really different. Right. So our Venn diagram creatively gets really little. Hmm. And then but that means we know that we're at least more efficient if she likes something i like it then it must be something decent or halfway decent because it got past her and me and our small you know kind of you know way to get through it so yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting but always comes out better that way and um and we're happy for it so when you start with the idea do you is it just conversations back and forth or just sit down and write an official proposal and and go back and forth that way. When do you go from, hey, that would be cool to this is our official plan. Let's get started. I would say first conversation, a lot of conversation, normally car conversation, yeah. where we are driving somewhere or traffic. Traffic is great to start to talk about ideas. Yeah. And then when we're really like, yeah, like this is one of that ones that could be the one. Then we sit together and we we write what we talk in the traffic. Um, and then we try to fill the gaps of the things we didn't talk, right? Because maybe you talk about a character and about a, a plot twist and the end, but there's so many things when you do a proposal. So and then we see it and maybe it can take us, I would say three, four, five days to really make a proposal, develop the characters, the plot, where we want to take it, 
etc. And then we if we decide that's the, the one we want to propose, then we send three like that or four to our friends, family, and everyone. Then they choose, and then we we go with that, and then we develop probably the first six chapters to see the shape that is getting, and if we like it, that's officially the idea. So you're both. Um professionally trained storytellers how much you have to have more than just a great playlist is 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 that an idea you've got to have a, a protagonist you've got to have the forces of antagonism how much how developed does this idea need to be before you know you have something what what are what are the absolute things that have to be included yeah i think there's a couple of things one of which it needs to be enticing for a large range of people it can't just be something that you know, is kind of just like, for us at least, is mm -hmm. kind of like a cult thing. It needs to be m more people than not are going to find this interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing is that it needs to have some kind of theme or social relevancy yeah. that's important to us. And that usually comes first before the idea, um, because then we're really writing from a place of passion of, okay, are we doing something good for the world? Are we putting something out there that's mm -hmm. going to make people think in a different way or ask at least questions to then come up with better answers than we would just be able to give themselves? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. And the next thing that we think about is, is it good commercially? Is it something that could would translate well to the screen? Because um, that's another priority of ours. So And then I would say something has to be personal. For me to be comfortable writing with personal, I don't mean it needed to happen to me. But I hear this thing from my friend. Oh, you know what my mom told me? that happened to her when she was 20 years old or something that connects because then it's easier, at least for me, to understand the characters and the plot. Even if you do research in Google, I feel more comfortable if I know something or, or, or I have a reference. For example, in retro, that it started with cyberbullying and then we talk a lot about social media and social media companies. Uh, part of it is because I used to work in Google back when I was in Spain. And that made me understand how their companies work. Mm -hmm. So from there, we started to pull out information. It was like, okay, and then uh, both of our mothers are teachers. So we really, we have here, unfortunately, a lot of cyberbullying cases, like we talk with our moms, and that's something that happened, and how, how, how everything developed in the high school, and, and the teachers, how I felt, how I felt the kids. So it's like, you mix that, plus that, and then you start to have retro. So yeah, it's, it has to have a personal thing. Yeah, there's there's just a whole bunch of kind of elements that have to come together for us to pick the right idea. Mm -hmm. um, and things like a pro strong protagonist and really close friends and and starting with characters first, a little bit more so than plot. Mm. Um, you know, there's certain disciplines that we have, but those are kind of muscles that have been built up over a long, you know, long time of writing. So a lot of those things will come second nature of, you know, how to build it per se. But mm. um definitely getting those columns in of what's going to make it the right idea. That's something we have to talk about all the time okay. and get perfectly. I assume sooner or later, you're going to bump heads a little bit uh, just because both of you will have a, a separate vision. How do you keep the uh, peacefully resolve creative disputes and make sure that that doesn't, well, I want to say that doesn't bleed over into your romantic life, but it sounds like it's all one and the same. Everything's happening yeah. all at once, right? But it gets separate, I would say, the writing and the and the after writing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we try to keep it separate. We try not to bring our characters into the, you know, into the dinner table with us. That's We try not to. But, you know, sometimes that does happen. And we try to keep things separate. I think the main thing is just if we the can. The rules that we have of Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a good rule, which is like if she says no to something and then it's out. If I say no to something, then it's out. Unless we, we can really, really pitch. 
to the other person and convince the other person that it's a good idea for the book, then it's out. And then then we have to come up with a new idea that we both agree with. Mm -hmm. And like that, every time, you know, deep down, if I hear no to something that I like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that sucks. I really like that. But it's a good thing because it means that at the end of the day, our story is going to be that much better. Our Venn diagram of what we're able to get through to, we'll be able to get through to more people, right? If it's gotten Mm -hmm. through both, both of us. So that's kind of how we see disagreances with writing and and generally that never bleeds into you know doesn't lead into how we care about each other how we feel about each other or you know or if maybe if if we write something and and I go I really like this and she goes I really like this and for whatever reason it gets heated it's like who cares this is at the end of the day it's a book and what's more important than books is us and I think having that priority first will always allow our books to um you know to be something that that can touch people and at least affect people and and hopefully make their lives better, more fun. Okay, so it's not something where one of you says no to an idea, and the other one's like, you know, I don't want to go to dinner tonight. I just, I just don't feel like <laughs> it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that has nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. <laughs> that has nothing to do with no. dinner. Well, I think the uh, upside, of course, is um, if for authors with um, non-writing spouses um, who you know they're they're in their they're in their book and they've left the desk, but the characters are still in their mind. They're still thinking about ideas. And, you know, your, your spouse says, Hey, where are you at? And you try to explain it. You can't really explain, but if the other person's been there, they're working on, so, Oh, I know. And if you're already there, I want to be there too. Let's not do a separation tonight. Let's, let's keep talking. Yeah. yeah. Actually, sometimes it had happened to us. Maybe we have a plan a date, right? Like, Oh, this Friday we are going to, you know, to the movies and then to a fancy dinner. And then we're putting our clothes and we're like, are you just thinking about that scene? Yes. Okay, let's take some fast food and go home. Like, you know, like, let's change the plan because it doesn't make sense to, sometimes it doesn't make sense to do that plan, that fancy thing, go to the movies when I'm just thinking and I think he's doing it too. It's like, let's move it. And no one is going to get mad to cancel that plan because we both are doing it. But we just change it, like, put your pajamas, take some fast food and let's write. Yeah, and, and we're like, okay, we'll do that plan next Wednesday. Yeah. Which is normally something that other people can't do. Yeah. So we t- we can take time off of life, but mm. we can also take time off of work whenever we want. Mm. So we try to go with like the flow of how we're feeling because mm. we know how important 12 hours can be if you're killing it those 12 hours, right? I mean, you can get three or four days worth of work. And yeah, inspiration comes, don't, don't deny it. It comes when it comes sometimes. But then if inspiration is coming all the time every day, then we have to stop and be like, okay, yeah. time to live our lives. Yeah. So. Let's take a shower. Yeah, so it's a it's a <laughs> healthy balance. We try to strike a healthy balance. It's um it can be difficult when you have you know so many goals and so many books ahead of you and so many things ahead of you. Um, but you know that's that's the balance that that you choose as a writer, right? It's the life that you've chosen. So okay, so we get the uh, three proposal, three to five proposals out. Get everybody's opinion. This is the one we're doing. We've already got six pages. We know the main details flushed out. What happens next? Is it uh, I'll write my chapters in the morning, Jared, and then Sophie, you'll write the chapters in the evening. Or is it how uh, how do you how do you break down? How do you start drafting? Where do you where do you go next? Yeah, I mean, first I will say the the developing like the synopsis and the characters uh, that will be around twenty four pages yeah. of proposal. Yeah, we'll do- so we go really deep, really, really, really deep. Like we like to know in the characters everything, like how this character will react to this thing what 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 he prefers to eat what like we know everything and then we do kind of like an outline like from the beginning to the end what will be the scenes what is happening what is the next chapter almost like like structure right like yeah. we do all the structure 
Um, so yeah, so it's like, uh, there's like a 15 page outline and structure, and then there's like a 30 page or more, uh, or it could be 60 pages proposal, um, which is just the first four or five, six chapters of the book. Okay, so you already got that before you start drafting in earnest then? The, before the six, you start drafting what? You already got the six chapters before you actually start drafting? Yeah, 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 we already have that because in that way we, we know can, the beginning. That way we can show it to our agents, we can show it to our publishers and be like, hey, this is where we're going. They'll know what we're doing. Because we have the synopsis. So with the synopsis, you can tell how it's going to, to go the book. And then it's when we start really deep into chapter by chapter what's going to happen. And then we pick up on page 30 or we pick up on page, you know, for retros, we picked up on page 80. And you just keep running and you and you get to the, get to the end from there. Mm -hmm. But it's fun because once we actually start, we're like, oh, we already are in it. So then when it's really time to sit and do it, we've already done all of this preparation. We're ready to go. You know, like I know all the characters. I know what, yeah. what do you want them to do? Oh, save someone. Don't uh, run away. I know how to go to class. I know what to do. I mean, it's like you, you want to cut your vegetables before you cook. You don't want to do it all <laughs> at the same time. So what? Plot seems more or less straightforward. Once you've ironed that out, you know what's going to happen. That's I never want to say something's the easy part because it's all it's all easy and fun, and it's also all really hard. I I know that. Uh, but a character, one character split between uh, two people. How much do you need to know that character to know they're going to be consistent? Because I assume you're meeting them and getting to know them along the way as you're writing them and as you're going back and, and making changes. Do you guys sit down and write out like a full character sheet? And if so, how much do you need to know about that character so you're both on the same page with who this person is? A great question. Um, I would say yeah. <laughs> a lot of the character for me is here. And then Yara will start to ask me because normally they are, our protagonist is a female teenager so Jared normally has to ask some questions like yeah there's still a lot of things that I will never know about a woman's brain so <laughs> even at, even to this point in my life so yeah I'm always having to ask and and mm -hmm. learn as, and be humble in that in that respect of what is she really thinking and it's true I'm getting better and better at it and learning mm -hmm. more and more as time goes on but um but yeah it's definitely so people kind of create the character the idea of the character sometimes I'll do a pass on on, a, on a, some pages and she'll go no it's more like this so then we kind of knead it like bread hmm. and then once the 20 pages are done or 15 pages are done then I kind of have a pretty decent handle on who that character is and when we're writing things that are more plot heavy I feel like I'll track it pretty more or less yeah. fine but then if it's just a whole bunch of girls talking hanging out and there's banter and maybe I enter in that Sophie's gonna be like I don't think they're going to talk that way. I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to talk about the male love interest in that regard. And mm -hmm. she'll have her input and her way to take yeah. the story and decide how that scene goes. So. And then I think that for us, like one thing is characters and then we have thriller and then we have action, day are day things. No, they go to class and then they're going to go home and then they're going to the movies. And with all that, when you know the characters, you don't need to prepare that much. You just know how they're going to go to the movies or how they're going to react to, to every situation. And I think that you start to, you don't know the characters, you know the characters, but you don't know, they need to grow, right? And you and you grow with the characters. And I think that that's really interesting because that we do it together. One thing is knowing the character, but then it's like how we can push these characters so it grows. And Jared is really good at proposing ideas of if we show this conflict, this character will need to grow. And then it's like, oh, okay. Let's let's go that way. Yeah, I feel um, like we're we're all 
provide or I'll help out more in like the structure or pacing. You'll mm -hmm. you'll help out more in the characters. Mm -hmm. And then you also bring the thrilling aspect. Yeah, I love plot, plot twists. She's I like, love it. I'm addicted. Mark yeah. the character plot twists and I'll be more, yeah. you know, structure and, and pacing. Yeah. You mentioned uh you get a character arc they have to grow. It's something that amuses me. And you may have discovered this also. I've written enough books now that I've seen the a character of mine undergo a similar arc again. It's like, oh no, I was supposed to grow with the character, but I guess I guess I'm still working on that. Oh, here it is again. <laughs> yeah, you can learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. <laughs> So theoretically, why did you, I wish you should ask your dad. He's uh, finished. Uh, he's got book 51 coming out. So he should be close to perfect now. He should have figured out all of his issues and arcs, right? <laughs> yeah, he should be perfect. He, should he be gives like... actually really good advice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Father about character. Last time he was reading retro and he just told us something I think is really important. He was like, even if it's annoying for your plot, make sure the characters react the way real people will react. Like, don't make it convenient for your plot. Even if you need to delay something, a scene or, or whatever, make sure they're always, like, believable. And it's one of the situations where, like, you, you know, and we'll read, we'll put go through our book and be like, okay, we're going to put on this hat of being a jerk, and I'm jerk today, and I'm going to read the book like somebody who wants to give it a one star on Goodreads, and I'm going to read it and tear it apart. And I'll do that. And then I'll, then I can go through and be like, okay, what are the things that are total crap that that one star jerk wrote? But what are some of the things that are like, you know what, maybe we could do better. And maybe this character is not being realistic. And maybe it's a little forced and convenient for the plot. And usually to fix, solve that issue that, you know, that you were saying that, mm -hmm. that my dad had brought up, it's actually fairly easy. Usually, you know, like if somebody just goes up to a house and they break the window and break through the window, that doesn't make any sense. A normal person will try the door first. So you must make sure the door is locked. Yeah, you have to, you know, and those are those little things, but like it takes you out of the story um, if, you, if you don't track it. That's wonderful advice. Well, that uh, dovetails answer the question I was I was dying to ask. Having collaborated, I'm assuming you will collaborate again uh, with your father, Jared. How um, I assume there have to be some major differences in collaborating with him versus collaborating with Sophie. Oh yeah, it's it's a total world difference. I mean. Writing with my dad is, it's interesting in the fact that we'll write very quickly, but it's because, you know, I kind of learned to write through him or I was emulating, at least in young adult, kind of growing up, kind of emulating his style a little bit of just as a reference of this is how you write. And then he will, he, would, he was my mentor growing up. So he would say, hey, this isn't working. This isn't working. So I kind of naturally turned into, in some regards, you know, my own self, but also a little version of him in some ways. So writing with him was really seamless. You know, it was really easy to go in between characters and it would, and it would go very quickly, but you know, he's a creator and has his own ideas of where he wants to take things. And, you know, I have my own strong ideas of where I want to take things. So kind of breaking off as my own creator is definitely something that I did with Sophie mm -hmm. and we both are very strong and have very different ideas of what we want to do. So it's almost like writing with myself in that regards, which means our books happen a little bit slower but so much gets talked out. There's a lot more planning. There's a lot more things are really, really, really fine tuned to and thought out in, in a degree that, that I've never experienced before. Um, and there's a lot of disagreeing. And then there's a lot of fixing those disagreements to be at a point where we're both really happy. But I think that's what makes it great. Cause it's like, if we're able to write something, but then somebody in Europe, who's also, I mean, Sophie comes from a different culture, 
different gender, different religion, different, you know, first language, everything. So it's like, if both of us can be happy with something, then that means we've just, you know, spread our, spread our breadth of, of, Mm. of who we can satisfy that much further. So I guess the uh, trick will be to, as you're going forward, both uh, creatively and romantically, uh, to not become, you know, how uh, couples get to a certain age, they start to look alike, try and avoid that, stay separate so that you'll you'll have two different perspectives <laughs> on <all> your stories. <laughs> People have asked us if we were Sometimes. related before. Sometimes. I guess it's our smile. But yeah, I, ew, no. <laughs> I think, yeah, ew, no. And I, I don't think we are... Um, we are for- morphing into each other, you know, no. like a lot of those older couples, you know, you see a picture and they just look the same. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> there. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> give us 20, give us 50 more books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married up. My wife is way more attractive than me. So I hope it never happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, while you're writing, are you are you revising as you go? One of you writes something and then the other one comes along right behind or do you, you get the whole thing drafted and then start revising? When does revision come in and, and how does it work? Exactly. Yeah. It, it depends, right? Like I think it depends a little bit on which section because we separate our books in the fun part and the thriller part, kind of. And I feel like the thriller part is really specific because you can improvise that much. We really need to airtight the whole thing. So it's more like, okay, we're doing this. She's going here and then she discovered this thing and then the other one come and then the other one see. And then, so it's no disagreement when you're writing because it's all absolutely completely airtight. And then the fun stuff is when, when I will say, yeah, we talk the scenes and maybe Yaro goes to write some and then I check and they re- review together that scene. And then what if we do that thing? Oh, okay. And then we, we do it like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we pretty much stay like, you know, one of us will write something. The other one stays a couple. Yeah, as you were saying, five pages behind. Hmm. We'll give notes and edit. Um, and then we'll go, that person will do another pass. And then we'll sit together mm-hmm. and we'll lock. So it's like, it's kind of like a three-step process in that way. Mm-hmm. We found that's what really works. Yes. But the important Fear thing. goes really fast. But what's really important that we found in life, love and work is communication, communication, oh, communication, because we have to talk everything out before a chapter. Because if I go yeah. and write a chapter and we didn't talk enough about it, Mm-mm. she might come back like, ah, oh, no. that's a little boring to me. And I, so I'm like, yeah. okay, wh- why didn't we talk more? We got to talk yeah. more and make sure that you're on board with what I'm doing and I'm on board yeah. with what you're doing. And when we took the things, is like that stays. If we say that a scene is in the cinema, now I can wake up and be like, no, nah, I feel like in amusement park, I'm going to write to get today. Yeah. Like, no, we said cinema. If you want to change it, let's have another talk and, let's, and, and pitch me why cinema wasn't such a great idea and it's better to go to an amusement park. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes you'll you'll want to just kind of change something. Oh, I think this will be better. But you don't realize that the other person had put a lot of thought into that specific thing. Yeah. So even if you're going to change something that feels arbitrary to you as a co-writer, yeah. you have to double check why that person thought that way and that's why the communication yeah. is so important maybe it's to cinema because i want the darkness of the cinema so then the crime could happen and one will see the person that did it and then if he changed the scene to amusement park and i'm like this doesn't work anymore so so there's a lot of behind every decision so yeah. it's important to stick to it so you're each taking turns drafting nobody's doing all the revising nobody's doing all the drafting you're writing different parts of the book and then coming back together right exactly mm-hmm. Exactly. And there'll, there'll be some parts too, where one of us will just go, take it. Yeah. I feel <laughs> right? really comfortable. I have it super clear. Like for example, in retro, um, the interstitials, 
um, because there's interstitials and he's the main protagonist talking and things happen. I have them really clear. I was like, I know yeah. how she talks, what she sees, what, what's going on, what things are going to happen in different interstitials. So it's like, okay, then I was go, like, just go, just go. you do it. And then I'm going to then read it after and, yeah. then, and then we'll go through together and, and yeah. figure out how we, how we make it fit for both of us. Um, but yeah. Of course, part of the part of the book. There's writing is so awesome. There's so many great parts, but part of the the joy is in creating fresh and new. When you're sitting there at the page and you're coming up with dialogue on the fly, if you're the good news is you're sharing that right when you're when you're when you're when you're outlining and deciding what the scene's going to be ahead of time. All that inspiration is is shared. Um, but when you sit down and it's just one of you drafting the scene. Where are you finding that buzz while you're drafting? Or is it just like taking dictation at that point? You can quickly write it out and move on to the, the emails and the social media. Oh, is it? Um, you, you go ahead. I think that um, social media came to our life a year ago. So at the beginning of Retro was no social media. So it was a little bit different. Now I feel like I wake up and while he's drafting some scene and with social media, to start the day and then I check what he has done and then we work together and then back to social media and then work together back to social media he goes to sleep I work alone that will be more or less the the, the, the whole process I would say and the social media does and just social media and marketing all of that stuff makes it mm. a lot more difficult right because you're trying to really be in the zone you're trying to just I need to kind of plug turn off the world that's why I listen to music mm. and then if I get an email and then if I get this I get this. it's just it's so many things sometimes it can be it can be a lot. So, you know, I just cherish those moments I can get where I'm just writing and, or if it were weekend, you know, Saturday is a great day, no emails, yeah. nothing. We love to write on weekends. Social media posts usually don't do as well as we on weekends. So we can take a break from that mm -hmm. and you just, you know, we'll work and write really well. Yeah. And so prior to having a book to promote, did you guys do some sort of a retro type challenge where you, where you stayed off social media for a while? I did like, 10 years of retro challenge. I did like is. 12 years of retro <laughs> challenge. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 91. I'm 93. <laughs> so, you know, we spent our time um, definitely living that. And but I mean, what made this so interesting to write about was like, we both lived on the verge as a millennial and zillennial of, of, I know what it's like to like, to just live in a world without any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember what T9 texting was. I remember some of those things. So it's, it was really interesting to, that I straddled both worlds. And so did Sophie to be able to go, okay, let's write about both perspectives. Um, and we feel like that's something that's really germane to our generation. Mm. Um, and listen, sometimes we do it. Sometimes, even if you're not writing, right? It's like, okay, today, no fun. Oh yeah, that's we, it. we go retro mode. Yeah, we go retro mode all the time. And we, we say retro mode because actually we show it in the book. It's not about stop to have your phone. I mean, we're using laptops right now to talk to you. It's about what if right now I go retro mode I, I, I spend my evening with my friends and tomorrow I will take my phone again, use the alarm application so i can wake up on time and all that but sometimes some moment to to stop to use that thing yeah it's nice to decompress just because mm -hmm. like almost all of our lives are about 13 hours a day on average mm -hmm. is what we spend in front of screens and it makes sense from yeah. you know we'll talk like this and all right mm -hmm. then i'll be on my phone sometimes and then we'll watch a movie at night yeah um, it can add up to 13 hours mm -hmm. and it's like it's just really nice to take a step back and go, oh, you know, I'm just going to put it myself on airplane mode and, and take a retro mode. And, you know, mm -hmm. we we do little kind of retro like things like for your birthday, a couple of years ago, I rented, oh, like, yeah. I rented this car. Yeah. That's how it came, baby. And, and um, that's how the idea for, for the car came. And, and, you know, 
we went out everywhere for your birthday yeah, and drove that. around and listened to all the favorite songs. The, the songs exactly just like axel and, and luna in in the yeah. in the book so we have our moments we definitely have our moments of retro just feel like it's good because you know maybe one time our publishers are sending us emails we can just be like oh we're in retro mode you know like sorry we didn't see it like no see just following the book yeah i remember that thing you published yeah we that's why we're not responding <laughs> I'll be very curious to see how that will work, how well that works <laughs> going forward. It doesn't work. So. <laughs> it doesn't work for anyone. And Sophie retro mode, she's like, come on. <laughs> Ironically, one of the things I love so many things about doing a, a program like this, but one thing I like about this is even though we're using technology to facilitate it, this is retro mode for me. Because we're talking, none of us have our cell phones out. If we were at dinner, one of us might check, oh, I got a notification, no, and, and you're gone for a moment. You're still there, but you're you're gone. Whereas right here, I'm listening to everything you're saying. You're hearing me. We're yeah. communicating. I'm not checking those midterm results or anything else. It's just us. So we're unplugged. Yeah, I can yeah. the retro time. That's true. By the way, I have a little like prescription for you for that whole, you know, dinner table phone thing. I had this game I put with my friends. We go out to dinner and everyone puts their phone on the table face down. You stack it and whoever grabs it first has to pay for the bill. <laughs> That's a and you just put it down and you, you see them buzzing and you want to, but it, yeah. it forces you all just to, I don't know, talk even, more, your friends? Talk even <laughs> more than you would have before. Um, and it makes for a fun day because, you know, it's like kind of like retro, like if one person was taking the challenge, it would really suck. Like it would suck. You're like the only person without a phone. Yeah, that's called go to a cave. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's not what we're proposing. It's like yeah. everyone does it, right? You do it as a group of five people or do a group of, in the, in the book, it's, you know, it's hundreds. It becomes even more. It becomes a phenomenon. And that's fun, right? Because you're all living this experience and you're yeah, all living this friends. thing. That's why at the dinner table, if you all put it, the phone down, then it's fun. If one person puts it, it sucks. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, you can't imagine because you, uh, you, you, you've been present for it. But if you're the person whose phone is buzzing and like, oh, I bet it's that really important thing I've been waiting for. I'll risk it. I'll take it. And then it's like just somebody complaining to you on Twitter. Like, no, I got my dinner and I didn't get the message I wanted. <laughs> or it's somebody who's calling you and then other people see that you see you actively see you screen a call. You don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, is this what happens when I call you? <laughs> Why are you calling your monsters text? <laughs> um, so I'm curious about uh, you, you've got um, you've got a, a, a production company together that's uh, that those Lobos Entertainment that is going to eventually be film and television as, as well as books. So how do you transition or do you have like a like a 10 year plan, five year plan? How are you going to transition from writing two books or is it always going to be, going to be writing books, but also doing uh, film and television. Exactly. 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 So, so pretty much every single time we'll write a book, we own the intellectual property to that book. So from there we have entertainment agents and managers and lawyers. They'll go take it out. Um, we'll get a deal somewhere and then hopefully being the screenwriters and then hopefully be the screenwriters on the get go. And if not, then it can take, you know, longer, maybe the show <laughs> gets made and we'll be in the writer's room. It's just whatever, it's kind of a, I guess in essence, a bargaining chip for our own careers. Yeah. And every single year we're able to create a new shiny object for the entertainment industry. So <laughs> with that, we'll be able to not only work in America, but also in Spain mm -hmm. and and um, and eventually parlay that into directing. So the goal will be just to continue to write. Um, you know, it's difficult though, work because you know, you I know you're think we're thinking sometimes of the television show, but at the end of the day, you have to write the novel. The novel has to come first. And sometimes you have to say no to things that you think 
you might see in this big movie in your head because it's like you have to service the book the book is the book and that's the first thing yeah. i mean this is this the is main. something that we wrote and directed like it's done you know like that's <laughs> what i love about you know a book because when you write a screenplay you write it and then people change it and then maybe it never gets made and it's like no this is made it's made because yeah. it's printed and that's what's really cool about um about a book it's like you're directing a movie for everyone in their head <laughs> Honestly, there's so many changes and setbacks that I know screenwriters face just from the ones I've talked to on this show that I don't know why they don't all write books first. Like the book is for sure. It's definitely sure, yeah. exciting. Maybe it happens. Yeah, I know. And I grew up seeing my, my dad doing that. So it was just kind of, it became a really natural um, pace for us. And mm -hmm. now, now it's been four or five years for us yeah. looking back on that decision to, to go that direction. And we're like, Oof. Ooh, thank thank God, God we did that because now more than ever, if it's not yeah. based on a book or a podcast or a Marvel movie that was already made 20 years ago, it's not getting made. No. Um, Plus, I feel like even if we don't have, obviously, in entertainment, in Hollywood, they're they not going to listen always our opinion on everything. At least this is our opinion. So how, how much you can change this? You know, yeah. like, yeah, someone can take it and try to change things, but at the end, the book is the book, and these are my... 350 pages of opinion it's so. it's creative protection and for example imagine we you know we we write this for I mean, this kind of thing similar kind of thing happened with with um dry we wrote dry for paramount um as a screenplay um and you know you write a certain amount but they can't deviate from your book so much because they're going to piss off the you know the, the yeah, producers will piss off all the fans so all the fans really keep you know, producers accountable to the book, which is really nice. And then you don't get bumped off the project per se, as far as the writer's guild is concerned, because the new writers that come in can only change so much. They can't change all your characters. So mm. technically it actually is an interesting it's way. <laughs> it's insurance to preserve your own, your own involvement in the screenplay process. If you, you know, had the luxury of writing the screenplay, um, because, you know, it's based on the, on the, on the material. <laughs> Pretty smart talking about some some three D chess that's happening here. Yeah, some four D chess. <laughs> First, the the downside of that once in a while it does happen is a film will make a big deviation. Everyone say, "Well, well we like that better." What was the writer thinking? You should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? Love to have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk at that point. We'll we'll talk for the new home. <laughs> we'll have to come back in any year or two and uh and talk about how much that sucked for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah, it was your 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 dad told me that even if they make a bad movie, the marketing for the book alone is well worth it. Great, make a bad film. Oh exactly right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even if that's a good point. Yeah, even if the movie doesn't really go anywhere or do that well, no, it's marketing. It's marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. the interesting thing about also owning the book as well, right? Because then then you have an insurance policy even on the bookend, so it's like you win in multiple directions. Um, and there's also things, so many things like international sales or audio rights. It really is, you know, somebody brought it up to me. I forgot who it was, a friend brought it up to me and was like, this is like you built a house. You know, it's an asset. It, a book gives you, you gives you, you know, um, ways to create money in all these different ways, hmm. which is something that I always thought was so interesting about an intellectual property. Um, you can rent it, you can sell it, you can, you can rent out certain properties about it, you know? So yeah, we always thought that was interesting. Hmm. I remember when the Battlefield Earth movie came out. It was it was so terrible. Like there's no way the book is that bad, and it wasn't. It was a great book. And if that movie hadn't been so bad, I never probably would have made time to read it. So uh, when you guys uh, transition into or 
or start making uh, films? Are you going to be Coen Brothers types where you go back and forth between who's going to direct or do you have roles chosen? One of you is more producer, one of you is more director? I think it'll go kind of the way that the books go where we both identify our strengths and then we kind of defer to that person on those things. But we will both want to direct. We both want to direct. Yeah. So the idea is to direct together. Yeah, so we'll direct together the same kind of way, but I think mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be a little more oriented in the camera yeah. and blocking. And technique and CTs. Yeah, te technique and things like technique. that. And Sophie will be a little bit more with the actors, yeah. you know, how- The characters, know. I used to work as a casting director. So I really, really connect with the characters and the actors, right? Like I can really explain to them and, and I love that part. So we are, with that, we are really like- we Design, have already we're really yeah. design. So we have really clear what, what we like. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, like in the book, sometimes there'll be moments where I defer and go, you know what, Sophie, you, I'll just take whatever you say, I'll take your opinion yeah. on this aspect. And that's what allows us to be, to we, we pick the things we'll compromise on. Hmm. Gotcha. So you'll have your, your shot list or your storyboard. You'll be like, all right, we got the camera right where we need it. And the actor says, what's my motivation? And you go, Sophie, are you, you answer the question. And we'll go ahead yeah. and <laughs> Uh, what the esteemed audience knows, I have to ask, because I ask everybody who comes on the show, have either of you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost? Sophie, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, here's the thing that is really weird and interesting and weird. Um, sometimes it happened to me, and I don't think it was real. I don't know, it's the brain, right? But like when you wake up at night and you see the darkness, your brain make images and makes shapes that look like humans. And I remember seeing one really, really properly well done. Like, okay, I see you, right? But I know I'm really sleepy, so I will never know how for real I saw that, but in my brain was making total sense. I saw the shape of a person in the corner of my home, 100%. Could have been a ghost. Could have could have just been a, a image left over from sleeping. We don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm like exactly. something a little more than. I think that's the closest thing. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And and as far as I guess I'll take the that that more alien esque question. Mm -hmm. As far as like anything else of the paranormal, I've never seen or had any any direct contact with any extraterrestrial beings. No, I have not. But I believe that they are there. They are somewhere. Oof, I don't know. They are out there. They're definitely out there. It's statistically like very improbable that they're not. But what is there. an alien, right? Like, like, is, are they things there? A bacteria yes. on Mars is technically an alien. Yeah, then yes, absolutely. That stuff exists. Hmm. Are they fuzzy and do they like make little noises on a different planet, like a million miles away and we don't care and they don't care about us and know about us? Probably. But um, I, I think it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> For all we know, we're all uh, interacting with aliens on a regular basis, and we have no idea. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's interesting. Just, just ruined my night. I'm, when this is over, I'm going to be like laying in bed, staring at my ceiling about that one. <laughs> <laughs> why did my agent say you humans the other day? He kept saying you humans are so strange. I don't know why he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Odds are maybe one of us on this very episode is an alien. Who knows, esteemed audience? <laughs> uh, but this has been absolutely wonderful. I've watched our time and it's, it's flown by. Uh, I, I, this has just been a wonderful conversation. I can't thank yeah. both of you enough for, for making the time. 
Um, for tonight, my final question uh, is always some variation of if you could go back, I don't know, seven years ago, 14 years ago, wherever it would have been the best spot for you to go back and give yourself some advice that would have made easier your path and might make easier the paths of everybody who's watching or listening to us, what would you go back and, and tell yourself? And Sophie, I asked you the first question. So Jared, I'll give you the last one. I would say going back, one of the things is always trust in your ability and confidence to write, which means don't feel bad to throw away something that you've written. You know, that writing is a reflection of you. You're not a reflection of it. So when you damage it, there's no hex that's going to hurt you. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. I think I didn't really understand that starting off. I would take things personally. It would hurt me to delete. Now it's, I write something like an assassin. I'll just kill it immediately. No problem. Um, and building up that muscle is something that took time. And it's hard to like, just give that wisdom to someone because you have to live it and learn it and build that muscle. But I would definitely say, be patient and don't feel bad if you have to keep rewriting and keep redrafting and keep killing your babies or your darlings, because it's, that's just the process. Uh, and Sophie, what would you go back and tell yourself? Uh, I would say, be patient. Be patient, be patient, be patient three times. Because first, when you're talking about being creative, Things don't happen the way you want. Unfortunately, creativity doesn't go from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It just happens. So just be patient and things will happen. Getting a deal with a book is not something that happens that fast or, or write a screenplay yeah. or find the character you, you build the character that, that you really want. Like be patient, don't get desperate because if you are rushing it, it's not going to come good. So be always patient within this industry, be patient. Patience. Yeah. It moves at a snail pace. Yeah. I think that's the perfect note to end on. Uh, remind esteemed audience, where can we find you online and follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah. So it's Sophie and Jared is our like TikTok and Instagram handle, which is S-O-F-I-A-N-D-J-A-R-R-O-D. So Sophie and Jared, and you can find us doing any fun, interesting, crazy, yeah. hilarious thing, whether it's a, a trend, a piece of really inf important information or some kind of writing tip that we have, mm -hmm. um, we're on there for everything, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, esteemed audience, for more uh, information about me, links to all my books, all that great stuff, and more importantly, for interviews almost as good as this one with thousands of literary agents, editors, authors, all the world's best people, book people, head to middlegradeninja.com Download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. It will change your life. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.